0: Just a quick note before we start the show. Thank you to everyone who has provided feedback about the intro, about the music and all that stuff. There will be changes. There will be tweaks. Um, but right now, uh, with the way it's, it's the holidays, people are around. So not a whole lot of work, uh, going into, to fixing that stuff, but, uh, in the next few weeks into January, uh, we'll, we'll try to nail it down. Um, but for now, you kind of got to deal with the intro the way it is. I hope it's okay. Um, anyway, here's the show. You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans.
1: I'm really happy to be here. It's a
0: pleasure for me. I would like uh, to make the most of this opportunity.
1: It's infield to Made,
0: 25 yards out. Lovely ball
1: for Pella. Onside, one here. Blue foul shot! Oh my word! We ran around a bit, but like, Bambi
0: on ice. He, 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 very, very embarrassing to watch. And now your host. Your host Matt oh. Markstone. Hello and welcome to a very unmarried edition of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you are surrounded with the people that make you happy and that you love because that is really what this time of year is about. Um, and I should tell you that Christmas is actually my least favorite holiday of all the holidays. Um, at the time of recording, it is early-ish on Christmas Eve. Uh, my children are starting to wake up. They are watching TV in their Christmas-themed pajamas. The lights are on. Uh, the cinnamon rolls are in the oven. It is really a great time. Um, but I don't like all the commercial stuff that surrounds Christmas, but that's okay. We won't talk about that here. On this episode, I am joined by Jack from Saints News and Views. You, uh, probably follow along, but if you don't, it's at Saints FC Views on Twitter. Uh, you should be sure to follow along and, and I'll let Jack explain exactly what that is, uh, when I speak to him. But, um, you may notice this is a day early uh this is actually on a monday usually the show comes out on tuesday but uh because we play tottenham on boxing day uh wanted to make sure you have it um i really hope you're not listening to this on christmas day but if you are merry christmas um i will also be listening to podcasts on christmas day because that is just what i do but jack and i are going to talk about all kinds of things we talked immediately after uh the huddersfield match on saturday so it is not necessarily the happiest thing that ever has happened um but hopefully we don't kill all of your christmas joy uh, but if we do uh, you'll know how my kids feel. So here's my conversation with Jack from Saints News and Views. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jack from Saints News and Views. You can find him on Twitter at Saints FC And we are here to talk about uh, everything going on with the team. And uh, with the holiday coming up, you're going away on holiday and, and so am I. And this is kind of the last thing we're going to do before that. So I think that's that's something to look forward to, but hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have something positive to say. But I, I don't I don't imagine. So after watching what well, we I just watched,
1: I don't know what this is a message before anyone watches or listens to the podcast. It's probably not going to be a positive podcast. OK, look, um, yeah, it, it wasn't great, but we're going to reflect on a few things and let's try and look at it from a from a level headed.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll go level headed, but not positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no positivity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously you've been on the show before and, you, and you've done lots yes. of other stuff like that. But uh, just in case anybody is is new and they haven't seen Saints News and Views, what would they find if they were to visit your uh, you on Twitter or check out your feed?
1: Sure. So what I try to do with this with this page, I've set it up, like you said, uh, I've talked about it before, but I set it up about five, six years ago. And it is just a platform, really. It's a forum for Saints fans to share views. It's a, it's a page for them to keep up to date of all the Saints news and opinions. So, like this week, Eric Black uh, left the club due to personal reasons. Um, so as soon as that information comes to me, it'll straight on my Twitter page. Um, and in that way, Saints fans can hopefully keep up to date with stuff like rumors and stuff that won't normally go on the official Saints page. So, it's just a forum, really, for Saints fans to exchange views, maybe have a little debate. And keep up to date with all the Saints news coming out of the club. All
0: right, all right, and I, I think I said it last time, but it's one of the few that I have uh, account notifications turned on for, which I normally <sighs> am very happy about. Except yeah. for when you, sometimes you retweet a lot of stuff. Like if you have sure. a if you have a post that gets a lot of things, you retweet it, and I'm just like, oh my god, and I want to throw <laughs> my phone. But it's okay. It's all right. It's my yeah, own choice. Do you know
1: what? Do you know what? During the games, maybe turn it off because that's when <laughs> I can get very passionate about Saints. Um, but the, the fact that you have. Your notifications turned on. That's that's amazing. Thanks, Matt. And and look, I think I need to take a little time out to give you a massive round of applause. Your podcast is going from strength to strength. I listen to it every week. And last last week of Chris on it, I thought it was amazing. And you're you're getting some great guests. And this podcast really evolving. I think you deserve a lot of credit for what you're doing. Um, and Saints fans should definitely tune into this week by week and 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 make sure you get it on all your devices because um, it's really growing, Matt.
0: Oh, I appreciate that very much. Uh, I'm trying. So yeah, thanks. The guests I get are, really do do this stuff. I just set it up and and hit record, and then and you know try to make us sound more intelligent once once we're all said and done here. So, <laughs> but
1: you do all the backbone, which is which is amazing. So salutes to you, my friend. Uh, it is a great podcast. that so I love to get involved with.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, right on to more depressing matters. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we get on to this week, last week I don't know you you were you were pretty popular on Twitter or unpopular depending on how you mm-hmm. how you look at it. Uh, yeah what what happened why why all of a sudden were people kind of uh either agreeing with you or jumping all over you for one reason or another
1: so I think it was going into what game was it going into I think it was going into the Chelsea game Mm -hmm. and I wasn't in a positive mind frame after what had happened against uh Leicester quite frankly it was was an utter shambles I, I don't think I've seen a worse performance from the team collectively in three or four years possibly um so I was quite in a negative mindset, and I think when you have a Twitter account, your tweets reflect how you feel. So I was quite negative going into the game and the team selection I didn't agree with. So I tweeted a few, a few things, and the problem is when you when you run a pod, when you run sorry a Twitter page, a lot of the stuff that you say people disagree with a lot of it, and I was getting some quite negative reviews back about the page about how you're the most negative person on Twitter, a negative Saints account, and do you know what? sometimes it sometimes you need to remember when you do run these pages maybe don't let personal opinions get in your way maybe try and keep it a bit more objective and i'm i'm definitely guilty of that i wear my heart on my sleeve as a saints fan hugely mm. um but that's the problem when you love a football club so much and you follow them week in week out all your life sometimes passion gets the better of you and um that passion can sometimes be channeled through negative tweets about the club um i don't think There's one Saints fan out there who hasn't never been negative about Saints. Sometimes, even if you love something, you're negative about it. Sure. So it was just a little bit of negative feedback, which is great. I love getting feedback. And sometimes it does make you think a little bit like, right, okay, keep it a bit more objective. Um, Right, right. But yeah, no, that's done with. And it it was a nice, gentle reminder to to sort of think, right, maybe keep your too much personal stuff back and just keep it a bit more objective. So...
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing when you have your personal page and then the the like an account like the podcast account or or Saints News and Views. It's where's the line? And I think sometimes I'm too I'm too afraid to push the boundary with what I I tweet. Mm. And then it's, yeah. but it's like when I do do it, it's usually just way over the line. And then it's like, oh, that's gonna have to get deleted before uh, anybody <laughs> sees it. But uh, we'll we'll learn and we'll we'll move on. But, exactly, exactly. Um. So so going into today, uh, let's yep. start with the team selection. When that came out, when you saw that it was Stevens, Yoshida, Hoyton and, and Target uh, across that back line, uh, how did you feel about that?
1: Well, even before two o'clock, when the team lineup gets tweaked out by the Saints account, I was quite nervous about this team. With, with Bertrand out and with Cedric out, they're so influential in the way we play. So I was quite worried about where Pellegrino would replace and who he'd replace with. But obviously with Stevens coming in at right back and left back with Matt Target, it didn't fill me of confidence, I'll be totally honest with you. And seeing Stephen Davis in that holding position alongside Lamina, I wasn't confident going into this game. Th- Stephen Davis isn't a defensive midfielder. And for me, McQueen starts ahead of target. Uh And Jack Stevens, whilst he likes to push forward with the ball, he's obviously not built like a natural right back, is he? He's, no. he's six foot, God knows what. So I wasn't too optimistic looking at that side, but I did have a big sense of optimism going into the game. Apart from the team lineup, I thought Do you know what I feel like the rub of the greens gone against us so much this season. We deserve a little bit of luck. I'm confident. I think that we can get three points against Huddersfield. Um, but little did I know that that was not going to happen. <laughs>
0: no, no. Um, and yeah, it's getting so hard to predict what the lineup's going to be or what we what we think should happen. And you know, yeah. you have to assume the manager has some sort of he's got a plan in mind. Hopefully for the the games coming forward, but. I would have thought we would have gone for it a little bit here, and then been able to put out, you know, five defenders sure. and and a three-man midfield of Lamino, Hoiberg, and 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 Remeyu going forward uh, against Tottenham on Tuesday. But you know, it just it just didn't it didn't work. I, I had Target in my lineup um, over McQueen just because I thought maybe we would need a bit, little bit more help defensively. But I definitely didn't see Stevens coming yeah. in to play right back. I didn't think that was going to be because that that doesn't I, for me it, it doesn't offer enough going forward. Uh, on that no, side, it doesn't. Um, Especially when you play, oh, we play a 1. Yes,
1: you need you need wide players at the back who have got pace, who have got the confidence to bomb forward and overlap into midfield. And they aren't naturally players who are going to do that. Uh, credit to Target, I thought he had a quite a solid game today. Put in a great cross with his left foot, but mm-hmm. um, I saw on Twitter before the game started, has Pellegrino just put all the players into a hat and plucked them out? <laughs> and that made me laugh because. His teams, like you said, his teams are so unpredictable. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if he knows his strongest lineup. And twenty games into the season, that that screams doubt, and that screams that that's worrying to me as a Saints fan. Right. I don't know if you if you pick that up, but I don't think he knows his his strongest side. And even the players who were started in there today, Nathan Redmond had fourteen starts, and he's failed to score in the first half of the whole Premier League season. And yet he gets a game. Dusan Tadic, for me, he's so unbelievably frustrating to watch. He's not the Tadic that we know and love. His right. his confidence is is deep deep cemented underground, and he he doesn't warrant a start. He him and Redmond Redmond, fair play to him. Second half, he he picked himself up and he was a little bit more influential. But these attacking players and and the players that are playing for Southampton at the moment, they're not playing well. And regardless of what system Pellegrino plays. I think the players have a big responsibility towards our downfall this season. I think they need to take a long, hard look at themselves and really reflect and think, have I justified a place to start? And out of the start and eleven today, I can maybe pick two players, three players who justified to start in week out, week, week in, week out. And one of them is Fraser Forster, who's turned his around and made some great saves for us recently. Mm-hmm. One of them is Charlie Austin, who sat, limped off today with a hamstring injury he's been on fire and the only other player I think questionably warrants a start in that team lineup is Ryan Burchand if he's if he's fit apart mm-hmm. from that there's not many players in there that warrant a start right and these players I think need to have a long hard look at themselves but whilst I've got my opinions on the manager for me what can a manager do when you're making so many basic defensive mistakes week in week out like Yoshida and Stevens today how did their striker get in between them Charlie Austin he's on fire but how can he not finish a simple chance right in front of goal to make the game 2-0 and that's three points in the bag right I feel a little bit sorry for Pellegrino whilst I have my doubts on him these players need to have a long hard look at themselves and think have I performed to the best of my ability this season and I don't think any of them can hold their heads up and say they have
0: yeah and it like you said, we we definitely have some issues with the manager, and I am I've been in the give him more time camp for a long time, but it's it's been long enough at this point, you know. Like you said, we just don't see the improvement in the in the players. You don't have you don't have players anywhere in this team that are that have, look like they've improved drastically from last year, or have really come out of their shell. Um, and we get, we did see that a little bit last year under, under Powell, where at least there were some players who were getting a lot better and getting chances. And we just don't seem to be defensively solid this season. Uh, we don't really offer anything going forward, but like you said, some of that's on the players too. Like if, if Austin puts that chance away after Redmond does all that work, when we've been on him for a long time to to do something and he finally does it. And then Austin puts it wide instead of just killing the game off at two nothing. Uh, and then, you know, chance eventually here here we come and and Huddersfield are able to tie it and you know we we have taken now 20 points from our last 20 matches at home
1: that's that's four wins all season Matt yeah four wins and so let that into you that's dreadful you can't look at it any other way but being dreadful for me whilst I've said I have my doubts on Pellegrino I always try and look beyond that matter The fact that we might have to sack our second manager and we might have two managers sacked within six months. What does that show what's happening off the field?
0: Right. It definitely points to some issues that are, that, that go beyond even the manager, um, or or the players. And it's, it's things that are going on. It goes beyond the the players
1: and it goes beyond the players and it goes beyond the managers. The fact that we've had to have, we might have two managers in six months. It shows there's disarray to the scenes. Let's read. I, I don't know. For me, the last three or four windows haven't, they haven't been strong enough. And whilst Lamina and Hoot was a, was a good addition to our team, there have been so many obvious points in this team that need additions or need strengthening. We couldn't score last year. So why did we think by bringing in a new man and no more new strikers, that's going to improve our, our opportunities in front of goal? That's not how football works. I know, admittedly, if you've got a good coach you can, who can help your strikers play football, it's going to help a lot. Right. But Pellegrino was always a defensive manager. Look at his his record at and the way that he would way that he would line his team up. That's what's killing us. Are uh, the things off the pitch really worrying me at the moment, Matt? They really are worrying me. Yeah,
0: and I, and I think that I think that those those signs were there, you know, even before that um we all were kind of crying for it and 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 hoping that we were going to get somebody in to to strengthen the offense of of, of the squad. Uh, and, it, and it didn't happen. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just, I've always been, or I try to force myself to be, I should say, optimistic as to what's going on and hope that we are actually going to be able to push forward and, and uh, that the board has done their due diligence and that they're bringing in the right guy. And I, and I'm not convinced at this point, I'm it's, it's disheartening a little bit to, to watch the team do what they did today. um and, and do it all season you know it, it it it's almost like we're running out of things to say about about how we're playing because yeah. it's just the same thing every single week
1: the, pr- the problem is as well the club love to put a real sense of we march on and all this due diligence we do with the black box and we like to think of ourselves as a, as a forward thinking club but is that really what's going on at southampton i don't think so i think our turnover in manager Turn over our players in such a quick, in such a short space of time. That doesn't bode well. You could, like, I can't, in the last four years, we've sold all our best players. Our best managers have left us and our recruitment hasn't been up to, up to scratch. And our search for new young managers or say new managers from abroad haven't worked. Puel didn't work. Pellegrino is clearly not working. So when, where does that, where does that lie? That lies with Les Reed. That lies with Ross Wilson. Those two, I don't know. I don't know how football clubs work. Who, whose decision is it for them, for their job security? Who looks at Ross Wilson and Les Reed and say, are you two doing a good job? Because I don't think so. Is that the owner? Is it the chairman? I I don't know personally, but personally, Les Reed and Ross Wilson are in a bit of trouble at the moment. They're working off the field. Hasn't been good enough, and that means that's had a direct correlation effect on what's going on on the field. If you don't have a manager who Pellegrino doesn't look like a motivator, he doesn't look like a man manager. Do you think? I don't think that he's going to inspire the players to turn this run of form round. The last couple of games: loss, draw, draw, loss, loss, draw. I don't say that I have faith in Pellegrino to turn it round. He doesn't come across to me as someone who's going to go in that changing room after today and really leave an impact on them that they're not doing a good enough game. And they're not playing well. It, ugh, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to even comprehend. And I probably made sense the last couple of five minutes because I'm just, I'm lost for words about what's going on with the Saints. And I think it's a real deep rooted problem. I think that it's beyond Pellegrino. I think you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. They've not performed well. Ross Wilson, you're, you haven't been good enough. Your job off the field hasn't been good enough. It's simple as that.
0: Yeah, I think it's really, really easy to look at the manager and put the blame there. Uh, and, and the next step is to, is to look on the field because that's what we see. We pay to go see, or I get up to watch, I don't get up to watch Les Reed work, you know, I, I get up no. to watch uh, the team perform on the field. And when that doesn't happen, it frustrates me. But that is, like you said, it's not the root of the problem. I think the problems lie elsewhere and not that the, not that the, all the players are playing well and doing maybe an adequate job on their behalf, but sometimes I'm not sure that it's just the players on the field that are, that are the issue, or it's just the manager. I think it's a, it's a combination of of a lot of things. And a lot of those things are going on behind the scenes. And, um, you know, they, they, they brought in, uh, people down to, to Staplewood and try to, you know, show them what's going on and and try to kind of build, build this, keep this thing built up the way they have, they have it in the past. But I think the truth is, is maybe we were ahead in that kind of scouting, um, idea or the way we were going about it, but everybody else is caught up and a mm-hmm. lot of people have caught up and passed us. And we, if we don't figure out what's going on, uh, I think we're going to see more of what we're seeing now where we're just not quite good enough to to do it. And Chris and I last week were talking about, if you look at some of the teams that are slightly above us or even below us, we wouldn't necessarily trade squads on paper with any of those uh, those teams. But no. I think that if you asked some of those other you know, people who watch those teams the week in and week out, they would say the same thing because maybe we don't have a ton of household names. We have, we have Van Dyke. We have, uh, you know, Charlie Austin. People might say, Oh, we'll take him or Fraser Forrester plays for the England team. Like, oh, maybe, maybe, but really we have a lot of guys who most people haven't heard of. And yeah, and I think that's going to be more and more of a, uh, a commonality as you look across, across the, uh, the teams that are, that are where we are in the table. Um, and, I think that's maybe just a change in, in how things are, are, are going in terms of, of, of scouting in the Premier League, and I think that's, I think we're starting to fall behind a little bit. I don't, I don't know if it, that makes sense or not.
1: For me, as a team, I'm watching individuals play. I'm not watching a team play. I'm watching a bunch of individuals. There's no lost that togetherness that we had two or three years ago. That, that's completely gone. I feel like the, that there's a there's a massive massive separation between where we were two or three years ago to where we are now. We've lost a lot of things. We lost our best strikers. We've lost people off the field. Mitchell, who went to Tottenham, huge loss for us. And there's little fragmented bits at Southampton that don't bode well going forward. And I think it may be a little bit of a win time emphasis. There's there's little parts that really concern me about what's going on at the club. From starting from recruitment all the way through to management with the team. And I think it's a bit, it's a, it's, it's a worrying time. We seriously need to, uh, uh, I don't know. I think there's, there's worrying times ahead. And I'll be brutally honest with you, Matt, brace yourself, because I think we're in for a relegation fight in 2018. I think 2018, I think 2018 is going to be a year where Saints are fighting for their place in the Premier League. And I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope that I can look back on this come the end of the season And be totally wrong. But I think we're in a relegation scrap.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to, to think that where we were when I started watching the team uh, under Pochettino and then under Kuman and and that we're here just now, like that soon. And it's, uh, it's it's funny
1: how football can turn 180 degrees. Saints, Saints used to be so exciting to watch. We were talking about Champions League and, and Europa League. And now, within a couple of years, we're talking about relegation. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it's gone wrong, for you, from your perspective?
0: Well, like you pointed out, I definitely think it is. It, it's behind the scenes. It, it is the recruitment. It is the fact that I think everybody else is caught up to where we were. You know, maybe it's a symptom. Uh, the managers we hired the last two managers. Maybe that's a symptom of of not wanting to deal with a with a personality like Cumin uh, again. And and I know other people have put that idea out there that I don't want to say he's a yes man, but Pellegrino definitely is not challenging um, anyone, I think he would be, no. he would be one to, to back down from almost any kind of verbal altercation. That's just based off what I've seen in, and press conferences. And, uh, when you hear him talk, uh, and he doesn't, like you said, he just doesn't look like that kind of dominant, um, no. personality and, and that's fine, but then you have to have something else that gets people motivated or gets, gets your point across to whoever it is that you are, are, are talking to. And it, it, it's quite clear that he, I don't think he's in charge of, of, of who's coming in and out of the, of the transfer window. Um, no. He doesn't seem like he has control of, of the Van Dyke situation. And, and that stuff is worrying because that means maybe he's not getting the support from above that he needs. He, the, 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 backroom stuff just isn't getting done. Like it should be.
1: No, he, he doesn't have control over Van Dyke. That, that situation has gone on for far too long now, far too long. And I, I know saints have a history of look at Morgan Schneider and of holding players who don't want to go away. We sold a lot of players, and ever since Morgan Schmidler, when a player wants away, we've held on to them for a season or one more window, purely out of, out of. It's I don't a, know what the word is. It's almost use. out of spite, you know? Out of spite, yeah. The fact that, oh, do you know what? We're going to be bullied over. We're going to put the PR thing up. We're not going to be walked over by the big teams. But look, being been the same player he was last year. His head is well beyond Saints. He he is well out of Saints. He has no future, no no commitment towards Saints. He is either in Manchester City or Liverpool. And, and from what I'm hearing, think he won't be here for much longer. You give it a couple of weeks and I think he'll be gone. But it's like I'm saying, Pelican, who doesn't have control over that, you only have to look at today and, and his excuse for are just going to rest him. A centre-back of Virgil van Dijk's quality doesn't need to be rested the ultimate professional, if he's going to be the world-class player, everyone's tipped him to be right. He doesn't need to be rested. He can, get that's what center back. So he's obviously not in control of that situation, which is worrying because if he's not in control of one player, you think about, is he in control of the rest of the squad? If he can't control one player in the club, can't control one player. It's a bit worrying.
0: Yeah. And it, and it, sometimes when I think about it, you think about, you know, if players see the way that we've treated Van Dyke, not, And I'm not absolving Van Dyke of any of any blame here, but players look at how players like uh, or how we've treated players like Schneiderlin, like Mane, like Wanyama, like Van Dyke. Is that going to stop players of that quality wanting to come to the club if they know if they know that they are essentially bigger than us, but they just need to be put in the shop window? And all of a sudden they realize that they just can't pass through us like they used to be able to. Does that stop them from coming in in the first place? And and what do we want? Do we want players to come in that are that good that we know are passing through? Is that okay with us, or would we rather not even touch those guys and and bring in players that maybe we don't that we don't know, you know, that maybe it's, don't have the quality?
1: It's hard, isn't it? I think for the last couple of years, I would have said to you, I am more than happy for these young players of Wanyama, Mane's class and and potential to come in, stay with us for a couple of years, and then go on because we're never going to compete with the big teams and to have them at our club two or three years is going to give us a huge chance to push forward. But now, in the position that we are going down the table, we need who are going to roll their sleeves up and play for the badge on the front, and not think about the name on the back. Mm-hmm. We need players, players. Saints. and want to fight the Saints because we're in a relegation battle now and we don't need those sort of party.
0: Right. Right. We need players who are, like you said, who are going to fight for the team, who are going to be willing to put in the work and fight, you know, some of those battles where we're not, you know, we're not trying to, to, to win a 3-2 game against Manchester City at this point. We're trying to, to grind out a 1-0 win against Huddersfield or against Brighton or against Newcastle, because those are the points that we need to be able to stay in this league. Otherwise, you know, the championship looks a lot different. Uh, just in terms of, of what I've seen. You know, they, they've put some games on ESPN here in the States uh, recently and that game just looks different. It doesn't, it does, it's not quite the same. There's something different about it. It looks a little bit more rough and tumble. It looks a little bit uh, more open. It looks like we don't have some of the players to, to, to be able to do that, you know? Uh, so I definitely think we no, need to, no, no, to, no. to be able to the likes, the, of, the likes of, the
1: likes of wouldn't stand a chance in the championship. That's not the sort of player you want in the championship, when you watch Championship games, champion, the Championship for me is one of the best, one of the best leagues in the world, but it's incredibly physical. So you need, you need different sort of players to what you need in the Premier League. But oh, the talk of Champions makes me feel weird. The fact that a couple of years ago, we were looking up Champions League and Les Reed was coming out with all these contingency plans for when we we're possibly competing for the Champions in the Europa League. To think now we're looking completely the other way. We're staring right down the barrel of the gun at relegation. Right it's a, it's a funny, old, funny old world football how quickly things can be turned turned on their head.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's try to talk a little bit about today and then we'll answer some questions because yes. there are lots yes. of questions coming in. And I think that a lot of the things that we are talking about show up in today's match, whether it's from the, the initial team selection shows that he doesn't quite yeah. have control of the VVD situation. Like you said, Van Dyke probably doesn't need to be rested. I think he was rested last week. We didn't have a game midweek he's fine. You know, maybe you rest him against Tottenham yeah. because that's probably not a game. We're going to get a whole lot of points from anyway. Um, but no, no, and I don't want to think that way, but, but really like we needed this win that, that to be honest,
1: today was a must win coming into the game. I tweeted, is it a must win today? And there was every single person who was yes, all over my Twitter page, all over the forum, all over every saints media platform. Everyone was saying was, today was a must win. Mm-hmm. And we <laughs>
0: Yeah. It, must it's, win today. And I, it's it's worrying. And and to know that it's a must win, that the fact that everybody knows it. Yeah. and Do you think Huddersfield is a must win game?
1: A championship promoted team this season is a must win game. Halfway through the season with only four victories. That screams, screams relegation.
0: I, I made a point to, of saying this last week that, that Huddersfield's squad is worth 50 million pounds if they were to sell all of their players, that's about the expected value they would get according to transfer market um, or transfer marked, whatever, however you say it. Ours is 220 million. And so to, to, you know, to take, you know, this, this shouldn't be a match. This should be us beating them to be honest. And I know, I know that doesn't speak. It's not always how it works, but coming into it. Yeah. It's a must win. But the fact that everybody knows that and at the start of the match, it didn't really look like our players knew that, you know, the, those first kind of 10 minutes were not great. Uh, from us, that Huddersfield seemed to be on the front foot, and, and granted, we turned it around. Uh, but there were some moments of worry at the beginning when uh, Yoshida is swinging and missing at balls in the box, trying to clear it, and Forster's finally getting there and, and falling on top of it and stuff like that. You got Tadic falling over every time he gets touched. Um, speaking of a player who probably can't cut it in the championship, um, and and Huddersfield had time in the box and on the wings to take the ball from us, get the ball into the box, and and guys were getting shots off and. And really, that is not acceptable if we're going to be the team that we want to be and move up the table at all. And then even, even just a few minutes after that, uh, they hit the crossbar. It looked like Forrester got a touch to that to to make a a, a necessary and great save. Um, But we needed to do better a better job of closing people down, you know, both on the wing and, and close down crosses, and also mark people better in the box. And, and that that comes back to, to to bite us later. But it's it's something that we've seen before, and it's like we should be. If 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 Pellegrino is the defensive manager that we think he is, and he should be because he was a center back, you would you should be able to at least address that. You know, um, yep. every time you get a manager in to a, a new club, one of the first things they're able to do is solidify the defense. That's like job number one, and we haven't done that. Yeah, we, you build we from backwards. the back. Oh my god, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> the thing is, Matt,
1: it's just every single game I've watched this season. There's been so many elements from the games throughout the season appearing. There's there's so many things that we can't make basic like ten yard passes uh-huh. or we are not tight enough to our players or we can't convert the most simplest of chances. You see them knock in for fun on the. Tra- the worrying thing is, I've not seen enough from Pellegrino and Don't worry, we're working on it on the training ground because they're not showing that in the game. I don't. I'd love to know what they're working on in the training ground because I've not seen any glimpse of it the last couple of games. The last five or six games, I've not seen a glimpse of what they've worked on in the training ground. We right. waste chance, numerous occasions. And for instance, today when Huddersfield when Huddersfield scored, the biggest player on the pitch couldn't communicate to say who was picking him up. It's the most basic thing as a defender to talk. and couldn't do it. And the moment we conceded, we looked like we were going to crumble. Where? We looked all over the place. That five minutes after we conceded, we were so weak, we didn't know whether or not to go forward with it. We weren't pressing people down. They were. They had so much time and space on the ball. And that's worrying. We lose any sort of hope or any sort of strength that we built up in the game when we concede. And it's worrying to see. They could have easily have put the game to bed after the equaliser. We just crumble. We, we crumble in confidence and we crumble in organization at the back when we concede and that's really boring
0: there needs to be something you know just just character wise with with the squad when you concede you need somebody there to that that can kind of get to everyone and say pick your heads up we have a job to do we know what we need to do we can do this and it doesn't look like anybody is out there doing that it like like you said you you were watching individuals and and you know the guy who makes a mistake yeah, he's going to be pissed and he's going to be, his head's going to drop a little bit, but you need the guy next to you to, to, to say like, Hey, we got this. We still have a, a match to play. We we, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, you've, if you've played team sports, you know what that's like, you need somebody on the team. And whether it's Steven Davis as the captain, whether it's, it's, it's Fraser Forrester, who's, who's been at the club now for, for several years, you need somebody to do that, but nobody looks like they're, they're doing that. It looks like, like you said, we, we crumbled and stopped talking to one another. And it looked like Like you said, like Huddersfield was going to put the game away there for, for a while. And then we made some substitutions. Buffal came on. He looked, he looked pretty dangerous going forward, but we just couldn't do it. And one thing I wanted to point out about today was at the end of the first half, towards the end of the second half, we gave away needless and silly free kicks in dangerous areas. Yeah. Buffal fouled, uh, gave away a free kick about 35 yards out in the 88th minute. Uh we did it on the right hand side of the pitch again and, and at the end of the first half. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, just we can't do that. We are not good enough to be able to to do that and, and know that we're gonna be able to defend and get the ball away. But
1: yet again, Matt, that comes back to basic mistakes. Today, a basic mistake between Stevens and Yoshida against Bournemouth, a basic mistake by Wesley Hoot, who's trying to do a Cruyff turn in his own box and is dispossessed. So many basic mistakes from Fraser Forster this year have cost us these mistakes that when you're playing in the Premier League costume, we could be looking at this and, and talking about Saints in a completely different way this year. If six were done differently, right. if we would shored up our defence, we were conceding as many goals and crumbling as easy as we are. If we would learned how to put the ball in the net and become clinical, we would not be talking about this. It's simple little things that I think a good man- manager change cost it yeah. and and do you know what whilst we are making these little mistakes I think an element of luck comes into it as well we have not had any luck this year right the, the the rubber the green it for me it's not a massive thing in football you have to obviously it's all about your performance it's about the side you have but sometimes a little bit of luck helps and we've not had it this year look at Yoshida he's absolutely left off anyone else in that box and he's seen his header go onto the post, hit the goalkeeper, and nine times out of ten that ball then goes into the net. Yep. But for us, it goes, it goes out. And that little bit of luck we've not had, and I'm not saying luck plays a massive part in football, it shows you that we're in, we're in dire straits when little things like that happen. We don't have the luck, we don't have any momentum, and basic mistakes are costing us. And I refer back to it again as a relegation fight. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're right. And Matt, uh, Matt, if I said to you at the start of the season, right, being the team we are, having the strength we, we thought was Southampton had, how many points do you think we would have picked up against Huddersfield, Swansea, Watford, Newcastle, Burnley and Leicester at home?
0: It six? At the start of the season. Six matches? You would, at the very least, 12. At the very least. P-
1: right. Picked up three points at home. Against Huddersfield, Swansea, Watford, Newcastle, Burnley, and Leicester, how worrying is that? Teams that categorically are not as good as us in picked up three points against those teams who aren't as good as us. That's that's really worrying for me. Yeah, if yeah. we can't beat teams below us, then that is not a good, good where you are team. Sometimes you don't expect to take, take points against the big teams, the Chelsea's, the Man City's. But you're expected to pick up points throughout the season against teams who are below you and teams who are around your position.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: fact that we've only taken three points against the likes of Swansea and Watford, that's really worrying. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but No, 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 you're not. When you you're see not. statistics like that, and when you're not beating teams like that, how can you how can you be positive about Saints? It shows you the position we're in when we can't pick up points against those teams. Four wins all season. There's something going wrong and we've got to turn it around quick. And we've got a great chance to turn it around, Matt. The January transfer window is around the corner. It's coming up. And if Les Reed and and Ross Wilson have done their job is that they could bring in, we'll have a first team coach lined up, ready to bring in. And it's little things like that, even though we're going to have to pay over the odds for it. Well, Les Reed, you've put us in a position where we'll have to pay over the odds if we don't bring in at least two or three players to turn the season around, then we don't stand a chance. We don't stand a chance. We're knees deep in that relegation battle. We need a couple of players. I think, for me, someone to replace Tadic, a creative midfielder who's going to drop deep, who's got a great passing range on them, who's got the ability to dribble and beat players. We need a winger, someone to give competition to Redmond or even replace Redmond, Uh who will run directly at players and towards the towards the goal. We need a striker. We need a striker who I think we be grateful, but he's injured. He's got a hamstring injury. Yeah. And all too much, all too often. How, how long is he going to be out for? Do we need to replace him? Yeah. We have a massive in January to turn this season around. And if we have to play over the odds, that's nothing to walk or lose, potentially getting relegated to the Championship.
0: And, uh, you know, there's a high likelihood we'll have some money to spend based on uh, yeah. Van Dyke probably not remaining a saint uh, a- after after today or after the after Six, the window.
1: 60 million, Matt, we'll probably get for him. 50 million, 60 million. That is so much money for a team like Southampton. For a team that a record signing is under 20 million, you think the players that we can bring in. But, like, the problem is people know with the money that we've got for about have to pay for the odds, we know that. Mm-hmm. But potentially, this Chinese has paid 200 million, 80% of a club for are championship bound. Yeah. And if he, if he's a businessman, if he's a good businessman, he knows short term he's going to have to plow some money in and invest in this team to get any sort of reward in the long term future. So I pray and hope that we invest in January and we add a couple of players to turn this team around. But Do you have confidence in Pellegrini to spend 60 million on players? No,
0: no, no, I, I, Um, I I was, I was thinking about this a little bit during the match. And when you look at where some of those players came from before they were coming from kind of unknown, the Dutch league is not unknown, but it's definitely not one of the, you know, kind of the big five leagues. And so Koeman had some, some, connections there or whether we had scouts or whatever it is we were able to kind of pluck the gems out of there and that money that we were able to spend on there even though it wasn't a record uh, record signings for us that money going into a team in that league meant that that was a ton of money for them and they were willing to part with those players and i think even if kind of the players that we're looking at it seems like we're linked with some people in uh in the spanish league and in la liga and that money just doesn't quite go as far i don't think and so I think that we're gonna have a, a tougher time getting the players that we really need. And I'm not sure that like that Les Reed is gonna be willing to 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 spend the money or that the owner's gonna be willing to spend the cash. So it's it's I don't know, it, it's it's worrisome. And I'm I, I I'm not sure what's gonna happen with this. But the
1: the thing is, Matt, even if you do bring a new manager in, you've got a new personnel at the realm who doesn't know the team that well. And I think if anything, you're back to to square one. Whilst a new manager sometimes does Inject his ideas and his philosophies in. It's worrying because any manager that comes in, he's got to make an instant impact, and that's hard as a manager. Right? You think how many? I think we'll bring in another foreign manager because there's not the likes of Sam Allardyce and Alan Pardew who are bound to get you at least stay in the league. They're gone. They're off the they're off the market. So any manager we bring in is going to be a foreign manager, and that manager needs to come in and be able to not only Change what's going on at the back, and be able to make us start scoring again. But he needs to get to know the coaches. That's a huge task. So if anything does the him halfway through the season, makes sense. There's so many reasons for and against it. Right. But do you know what? I uh, let's read. Uh, whilst I've criticised him, he's he's got a hard job. It's a very hard job. It's hard decisions to make of him. Right. Very hard.
0: And and similar. Yeah. Yeah. He for sure. He is. He's going to be criticised either way. Um. Yeah. But But I think at this point, the number of people defending him and his choices and his actions over the past, say, three windows are dwindling. And as long as Mm -hmm. you have people being able to argue both sides in a relatively intelligent manner, then fine, the argument can be made and maybe he's doing the right thing. But right now, I think that people are losing losing faith in what he's being able to do at the club. And I think that's that's worrisome. And I think we've answered Saint J, who is at Irrelevant underscore T underscore X's question, which is why are we so um, poor? We'll call it. I, I think we've kind of dealt with that. But let's, but unless there's anything else that you'd like to point out about the game, let's move on to some some questions because we have plenty of them.
1: Yes, let's go to the questions. Let's answer some questions.
0: Okay. All right. Um, Steven Brandt, who is at Yellow Card SBC, he runs a podcast called uh, The Yellow Card Podcast. He says, well, VVD, go to LFC. We're just going to say that and then not answer it. And Chris Hughes uh, from Saints Martin says, assuming we struggle to get more than two points against Spurs and United collectively, do you think Pellegrino will still be employed come the turn of the year? What do you think? Do you think he'll still be around uh, come, come January?
1: You, my honest answer is I don't know.
0: I, I don't know. If
1: Cortese was still in charge at Saints, he'd, he'd have his bags packed and Pellegrino would be long gone. But with Les Reading in chance, Saints don't necessarily have a history of second. But for me, I've got a sneaky suspicion he might go. I've got a, the smallest little bit of me is saying that he, he's going to go because St Mary's is a toxic place. I couldn't make it today. I couldn't actually be at the ground. But from literally watching the stream, the negativity and the booing surrounding the players in the stadium any human being will pick up on that and let's read who whose job it is to pick up on that I think I've got a feeling that he necessarily won't give Pellegrino much more time if he can't turn this around if there's not a drastic run of form where we pick up points in the early new year I think he could be gone by February
0: um there was one instance where Redmond had the ball he ran forward, um, was closed down by yes. like three people, brought the ball back, and everybody's booing, you know? And he kind of throws his arms up in the air. He hits this garbage diagonal ball, gives the ball away straight away, and you can just see the frustration. Um,
1: it's, it's toxic, Matt. It's absolutely toxic. And Redmond, he hasn't put in the performances expected, so he's become a scapegoat. Saints fans love a scapegoat, and Nathan Redmond can a lot of slack from the Saints fans me yes, he hasn't been good enough. Simple as that. He's not been the player we know he can be. But it just shows you that the fans are jumping on our own players. What does that say about the club? That your own fans are jumping on your own player because he's not running forward with the ball. That he's turned around. That's that's toxic. That is really toxic. And that tells you a lot about where the club is at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you kind of spoke to this before, but Christian Candler, who's at CandlerAbility asks, if you were Les Reed, what would your January plan be? So you mentioned you might spend some money on a striker, and an attacking midfielder, um, anywhere else that you would be looking to address?
1: If I was Les Reed in January, I would put my hands in my pockets. So I'll be going to the new Chinese owner and desperately pleading with him to add funds on top of the money that we get from Virgil van Dijk. Because the money you lose in the championships, are ridiculous. This team does not deserve to be in a championship. And if we don't buy a few players in January, I think that's where we're heading. So if I was Les Reed, I'd be looking to bring in a couple of attacking players. A centre attacking midfielder for Tadic, someone who's direct and quick and pacey on the left or the right on one of the wings, and a target man up front. Uh, I think there are areas that we also need to add to, but I don't think they're as important. I think... Long-term, I'd love to bring in a a replacement for Fraser Forster. And I'd also like another midfielder. But at this moment, our issue is going forward. We need a couple of attacking players, Matt, or we're going to continue to not score and not put chances away Mm -hmm. and ultimately not be able to beat teams.
0: Yeah. And it looked like the press conference after I'm seeing some some things on online that Austin's going to be out at least three weeks. So, I mean, that there's a lot of games between now and when he comes back that we're going to need to find some goals. And our only two strikers then, uh, on the first team, uh, are, are long and Gabby neither of which have, neither of whom have scored, uh, recently. <laughs> no, it's that,
1: that when Charlie Austin limped off today, I was gutted. Yeah. He, he generally looks like, and I love what Charlie Austin is his confidence. He goes into every single game thinking he can score. And I love that about a player. I absolutely love that about a player. You look at Gabbiadini, you look at Shane Long, how confident are you that they're going to score? (laughs) I'm not. No. Shane Long is not a natural born goal scorer. He's got so many great attributes that make him a good striker, but he's not a goal scorer. Right. Gabbiadini can score goals. He's proved that to us. When he came in from Italy, the first month or so, he's scored for fun. But he's in a spot now where He's to dig deep and show some sort of depth to his game where he can, he's been on a bad run, but he can turn it around. But when I look at him, I don't see the confidence that he can do that. He doesn't have the hunger. He doesn't have the intensity or the aggression that Charlie Austin plays with. And I can't see them scoring many goals the rest of the season if Charlie Austin, Charlie Austin's not up front for us. Right. But right. it begs the question, Matt, why is Charlie Austin not started from, from day one? What was it that Pellegrino didn't like that he didn't get a run of games for the first 10 or so games what was it
0: and it's it's i'm so confused i don't know what you think it is i i mean i don't know maybe it was maybe it was just i don't know i think that's a good question i tend to doubt charlie austin's fitness from time to time and i kind of assume always that if he's not starting it's because of that that's the reason but he up until now and, and the hamstring goes today and whatever whatever caused that that's I mean he looks like he was in shape. You know, he's a big dude but he looks he's he's running about the pitch. He's not just standing up there waiting for the ball to be delivered to him. He's dropping deep and getting involved and uh chasing people back. I think he's doing all the things to show that he is uh that he is fit um up until the do, injury. Do
1: you know what as well? To his credit, he looks like he's got a yard of pace. He looks quicker this season. Yes, yes. Um he looks like he's got that extra yard of pace, a bit more acceleration on him. So if anything that's, that's even better.
0: Right. Right. Um, they, uh, they, you know, the media team does the, uh, little teammates kind of where they ask all the players, like, you know, ridiculous questions about their teammates. And they asked Ryan Bertrand, you know, who's the quickest. And you know what he said? No, what did he say? Charlie Austin. And, and the person kind of said, are you oh. serious? And he goes, yeah, he goes like, we just did the, you know, we just did the test and he's the quickest. And I mean, if you look at some of the pace we have on that team with Redmond, uh, Yoshida was clocked in a game last season as being like the seventh fastest person in the premier league, uh, to, like in terms of top speed in a game long is, 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 is fast, but maybe not quick, but if Austin can do that and you could look at some of the positions he's gotten himself into this year, I, yeah, it, it's there. He's, he's put in the work and he's, I guess, finally earned the, the spot, uh, the starting spot. I just wish it would have happened sooner. And I wish he wouldn't have gotten, uh, injured, injured today. Obviously I don't, I don't want anybody to get injured, but especially him right now, we, nice. we need him. So. Um, he he's our most important player, categorically, hands down. He's our most important player, and
1: that's the problem about Dolly Austin. He would be going on to to great adventures if it wasn't for. I hope it's only a hamstring, and I know a hamstring will keep you up for four or five games, or after a month. But he's our most important. Fingers crossed. Yeah. First yeah. looked. All
0: right. What else? What else do we need to cover here?
1: Uh, looking for
0: questions. They're, they're, do you know what? Most of them are all Pellegrino in and out. And right. I've made my position clear
1: that I think I don't categorically want to say out now, but it's only going one way at the moment. And that is out the door. So do you do you just get a it now and find someone to replace him or do you give him more time?
0: I say that the points you made earlier about that are, are true. It is difficult to say which uh, which of those de- decisions is correct, because I think the only manager that knows the Premier League that is known for keeping people up that's available right now, I think, is Tony Pulis. And I don't oh. think any. I, I was actually sworn never to to say his name again on the podcast in, in association with with our job. But you know, it, it looks like that's it. Or or you go. You know, I don't think you can go unknown foreign manager right now. Um, look
1: at what Chelsea. Look at what Chelsea did
0: when Chelsea were at, at a point. I don't know when it was. Was it
1: a couple of years ago? They were generally facing relegation, mm-hmm. and they brought someone in to steady the ship, keep them up for the season. And then brought someone else in. So if for that reason we need Tony Pulis to keep us up this season, do you know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too sad about it. It's not a Southampton appointment, but the way we're going, if Tony Pulis can turn our season around by showing up our defence, then bring him in. I don't, that, that's not saying I want Tony Pulis in. Right. But if it takes Southampton bringing in a manager who doesn't necessarily match our, 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 our factors or our our want and desire for like manager, like a young manager who's going to play this brand of football, that doesn't matter at the moment. We just need someone who's going to keep, keep us up. Right. And if that's what it takes, then and so be it. Sure. I'm not saying I want Tony Pulis no. in the game.
0: No, nobody wants Tony Pulis. <laughs>
1: if it gets to a position where we need a Tony Pulis or someone to send the shit so we don't get relegated, then it needs to happen.
0: 38 points is what you need most teams don't go down with 38. I know we normally say 40, but 38 is really like the number. We're halfway there. We're halfway yeah. through the season. But if you look at, although we played 19 games, we played Huddersfield twice. We haven't played yeah. Tottenham at all. Nope. So that to me, our easiest run of of, of fixtures is over. And now, For sure. now we have a much tougher hill to climb to get, you know, and, and looking all the way down to the end of the road, if on the last day we need a point, we got to play Manchester City. Like that's not, that's not okay. You know, last year we couldn't even close it out against Stoke on the last day of the season, let alone Manchester city. So it's not, it doesn't look great. Things don't look great. And I hate to be that way. I really hope, I really hope
1: that I can listen to your podcast at the end of the season and we've managed to turn it around. There's nothing more I'd love than to go into the last five or six games and not even have to murmur the R word, the relegation word. There's nothing more I'd want. And if, if it means getting rid of this manager, I'm plowing a lot of money in, I think that's what it's going to take. I think that is what's going to take. I think Pellegrino is going to have to go. And I think we are going to have to invest in this squad in January, which we're not used to doing. But for the sake of this club staying up, I think that's where it's going. I think that's where it's going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think one point of the game that we didn't point out um was when Charlie Austin, whether intentionally or unintentionally, left his foot in on the goalkeeper from Huddersfield. Uh Did you catch that? Did.
1: Uh, man, it didn't look good it no. didn't look good he, he he's gonna he's gonna face a ban I think the FA will look back on that and retrospectively I think he could get a free game ban for that he's stupidly and I don't even I can't even blame it on momentum he's left his studs up going in on the goalkeeper and that goalkeeper could have easily had his eye gouged out sure. or his nose broke
0: or got he it didn't need to do yeah, that yeah it was all kinds of stuff
1: that's that's not, whilst I love the aggression that Charlie Austin plays with, I think the FA are going to be likely to look at that again because you see Tarkovsky in midweek, he got, he got a free game ban or, or whatever ban he got for what he did. And that's dangerous play by Austin. That keeper's lucky to get away with only having a little bit of blood come from his nose. It was dangerous play. Yeah. Dangerous play.
0: Now, I don't like to see that. No, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. And, and that's something that, uh, someone who's been around as long as Charlie Austin should know better than that. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a mistake that you would, that's a Marco Arnaltovich type mistake, <laughs> you know, and to see Austin do that. Is, it's, Matt, why is he, it, it, it makes you think, mentally, where is he?
1: Why has he gone into something like that? Um. Now I it, think he could ban for that.
0: Yeah, I think he will. And I'm wondering though, if the ban, will it take place after he's fit again? Or is that not how it works? Is he going to wind up being banned and unfit for for the same matches? You know?
1: but, Who knows? We'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here, here's a question for you, though. Which number is bigger? Uh, the length of the ban, the number of games that Charlie Austin will be banned, or the number of points that we'll get between now and the new year? <laughs> oh, God. Um, well,
1: against United and Tottenham, I generally think, <laughs> it pains me to say it, but I think the length of Charlie Austin's ban <laughs> will be the amount of point up and that's saying something. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe I've said that, but I think no, it's true, Matt.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do too. Um, but yeah. Um, and we have a, we have one more comment here before we wrap this up. Um, looks like his name is aid Reynolds at a D E R E Y N O L D S. Uh, and he says no other manager has had a summer of no major sales, two big signings uh, and plenty of time to plan. There's been so many excuses, but four wins versus teams and turmoil from 19 is abysmal. Selections, constant changes, failure to energize the squad, lack of team spirit, poor tactics, negative approach, tedious, cautious football. I don't know who this guy is, but he's on it. He's basically summed up, I think, everything that, that we're all thinking uh, in terms of how this club is is going and, and how it looks when you watch it.
1: Matt, I don't think I need to add anything to it. All I right. think Aids hit the nail on the spot. He's He's said everything that's wrong of Saints in those two tweets. He's he's managed it perfectly. We have looked so poor as a squad. Pellegrino's selections have been, at best, so easy to challenge. Our football, we don't have any identity. We look worse at the back than what we did under Puel. We still can't score. And he's had a whole summer window to get to know the players, bring in players he wants. Yeah. And and it's, just,
0: it's just not happening.
1: It's not happening, and the scary thing for me is that there's no signs to say this is going to improve. Even if there was this, the glimpse of, of hope that he has his team look more resolute at the ball, we started scoring from more positions. Then I'd be like, right, the amount of turnover had managers has been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Let's put a bit of faith in him, but I've not seen enough to keep him at the team. I've not seen enough for Pellegrino to warrant keeping his job at Southampton. Mm-hmm. and whilst there are other issues with the team and the team not performing to the, their ability and issues going on off the field honestly, i really can't
0: well uh jack i think i think that is bringing us towards the end of this and although none of this is particularly positive i think uh we can all look forward to spending some time with our our families uh and and our friends and kind of just uh, being around them and, and kind of enjoying that, and uh, you know, I wish you all the best uh, over the holiday and um, safe travels. And uh, thank you for for coming on the show, and I, I appreciate it.
1: No, thank you. And I apologise to any fan listening to this that it wasn't the most positive podcast. It probably wasn't the most positive uh, episode to tune into with the ongoings at Saints. But I think sometimes you need to put football to one side, and whilst we get so involved in football. It is a great time at the moment. It's Christmas. So I wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. Yourself and all the Saints fans a very Merry Christmas. Go and scoff yourself with too many mince pies and, and heroes and celebrations and spend time with the family. Enjoy time with them. And um my thoughts go out to a Saints fan called Mark Taylor. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Saint underscore Mark underscore 211, who's currently fighting cancer. and. When you read his, his tweets that he's going through, it puts a lot in perspective. So whilst there are issues at Southampton Football Club, it shows you that there is far more to life than football. So if everyone could give him some encouragement, because I know that he's not going through the best of times at the moment, that would be great. Um, and I think this is the sort of thing where every Saints fan should come together and, and help. And it, it puts things in perspective. So everyone have a great Christmas with your family, with your friends.
0: This is just one more reminder that, that, Football is much more than just what happens on the pitch. There are, you know, people that are brought together for around the club that can support each other going outside of this, you know, and whether we agree or disagree on tactics and everything else, you know, there are people there that need our support and, and that's really what, what this is about. So, um, yeah, best of luck to, to Mark and, and well wishes over the, over the holidays and and in your fight against cancer. And, and like you said, it does definitely put that in perspective as to, to what's really going on here.
1: Exactly. Have a good Christmas, everyone. You too, Jack. Thank you.
0: And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Jack, from Saints News and Views. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at SaintsFCViews. Lots and lots of good stuff going on on the page also like to remind you that this podcast is partnered with the saints report for all of your southampton fc news and needs please visit the saints report on twitter instagram and facebook the links are in the show notes additionally the artwork for this show is done by matt beeling of the we are southampton page on instagram be sure to follow the we are southampton page on instagram for all your match day news edits and more be sure to check out the we are southampton page on instagram The music for this week's show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. The end of the show credits is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. The links to those are in the show notes. Be sure to check them out if you like what you hear. You can give more feedback on the music and everything else you heard on the show by visiting at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y. That's at SFC Delivery on Twitter or Instagram or following along on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. We'd love to hear from you, however you do it. And if you're interested and you've been listening to the show for a while, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It doesn't take that long and it really helps the show out. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. We will be back next week with another episode. I will be away for the new year with my family, but I was lucky enough to speak with the FA Women's Premier League Division One Manager of the Month for December. Simon Parker the manager of the Southampton women's football club we got some questions from the team that we asked him Uh, We talked to him about his journey to becoming manager and what it's like to manage uh, The club that is the Southampton women's football club. So you don't want to miss that uh there won't be any updates on saints between now and then simply because I will be away for most of the time, but we'll be back with normal episodes uh, as soon as the new year starts. Um, But it really was a joy to talk to Simon. uh, And it's really a joy to be able to bring the show to you. That show will be 52. That will be one year of episodes. uh, And and it's been a great time. So thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you to everybody who's been on the show. Uh, It's been a great, great time and I can't wait to I can't wait to continue to do this into 2018. So I hope that you have enjoyed the show. I hope that you've enjoyed the time with your family. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Christmas. And remember that together, we march on. Perfect timing. Cinnamon rolls are done.